0: Delivering all the news, the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com, this is On The Grid.
1: Hello everybody, you're listening to the On The Grid podcast for your weekly look at everything going on in the world of motorsport and a little bit closer to home as well. Richard Crail with you this week, Tony Shabeki away on assignment That's what we're rolling with anyway. So he'll be back next week. Don't worry about that. There'll be more of the Shebexta to come. But we've got a good show for you coming up as we count down to the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500. Yes, we're going back to surfers, paradise, sun, sea, surf, bit of sand, concrete fences, and supercars. And can't wait to do that. There's Carrera Cup on the streets. There's S5000 as well. We'll have a look back at some NASCAR, some Formula One, the Benz Shannon's round and the end of an era there, and uh, a continuing era of more rain in motorsport, which we don't like. It's triggering. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, happier things first. To kick the show off, a fascinating chat. We thought we'd go a little bit behind the scenes to work out what makes a fast racing car tick on the streets of Surfers Paradise and to do it we've caught up with a friend of the show and a really good engineer a race winning engineer in supercars and indeed Carrera Cup these days in Michael Henry he's first on this episode of On The Grid there's more great motorsport stories coming next On The Grid well supercars are back on the streets of Surfers Paradise this weekend everyone's looking forward to going back to Queensland for what is one of the highlight events on the calendar regardless of what category you work in there's Sun, there's surf, there's other exciting things to watch, and a great racetrack uh, with all of the challenges that street circuit racing presents. And to preview it, we wanted to do something just a little bit different this week. So we're going to go down the route of what it's like from inside the bunker, inside the garage with race teams and their engineering department to cater for the unique challenges that the Gold Coast presents. And I could think of no one better to get on the phone and talk to you about this than a man that has engineered race wins and championships in supercars and some success on the Gold Coast as well. He's currently heading up the engineering for Sonic Motor Racing in Porsche Carrera Cup, but uh, he was right there in the coalface in supercars as well. His name's Mike Henry, and it's nice to have him back on the show. Hello, Michael. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for jumping on. Appreciate your time. No problems. Hey, Gold Coast. She's a unique old joint as a racetrack, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. It is. Yeah. It's uh, we don't really have any like it. I mean, obviously Adelaide's a street circuit and it's got plenty of concrete, but there's none quite like the Gold Coast. That's for sure.
1: What are the challenges you look at? So let's say you're back with the Holden racing team, which you ran for a long time, very successfully. You're in the pre-brief for around Gold Coast is next on the calendar. So you've got Bathurst done 2011. You've got it one. What do you sit down and talk to the guys about when it comes to prepping for this event
0: in particular? Uh, this one, particularly because it comes after Bathurst, it's quite a different circuit. So, And and the focus for everybody is Bathurst, obviously. So when you come away, you've probably not given as much thought as you might give to, you know, well, obviously Bathurst, but, but other races, you're sort of thinking always a race or two ahead, I guess. And so when you get to the Gold Coast, you you've got to have your wits about you because it is such a tight old place that uh, the car is very different to what you're going to have had at Bathurst. Um, and so you've got to sort of not reinvent the wheel, obviously, because we've all been there before, so we know where to start. But ultimately you get there and it's a very different weekend to what you've just come away from.
1: Obviously you go there with confidence in your car and the crew in bolting it all together. But do you guys sit there in the bunker and watch those things pound over those kerbs and launch themselves into the air. And the super slow-mo where all the body panels are flopping around on the front of them. Do you look at that and go, oh, God, I hope it all stays together?
0: Yeah, yeah I'm a mechanic by trade before I became an engineer. I could never watch it without cringing waiting for yeah. it to fall <laughs> apart. The, uh, I mean, the, the chicane up the back straight is unique. I don't think we go anywhere else where we smash the cars over the kerb so hard and, and there's you know, endless great footage of cars flying through the air. So um, it, it is that corner alone is something you've got to really focus on because it, it means to those that, that fiddle about with dampers and springs and you know the, the way the car settles after the impact, um, the amount of work you have to put in to understand what how the car will handle that is uh, is quite a lot. So, yeah, I, I do watch it every time, and that's not the only part. of The gold case that makes you cringe. Yeah, it's so, uh, <laughs> <There's> a lot. <laughs> uh,
1: what What's more important on those curbs is it how the car launches or how it lands?
0: Well, you, you can't have one without the other. So, mm. uh, from a sciencey spin your propeller sort of way, um, the way it takes off and the way it lands, you've got to have control of both. Because if you if you go in there and it, it sort of flies into there too hard, then, or too high, sorry, then the way to land will be, be awkward. If it's not high enough and you land on the back of the curb, that's when you really do some damage. So you've got to make sure you fly long enough to get over the curb and you, you really want it to sort of use the other side of the curb as a landing ramp, Evil Knievel style. Um, and yeah, so it is, it's a bit of a balancing act. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of work goes on to make sure they fly right. Because if you don't, then you won't carry the speed and then it hurts. So, you know, you have to get through that thing really quick and throw it all around the place and then get back on the deck really quick and and make sure you've got drive for the run up to the left hander off the beach.
1: It's one of the few tracks that where if you're an informed spectator and you know what you're watching, you can look at the cars through, especially the beach chicane, but probably turn that turn one, two, three chicane as well. And you can go, yep, that's a good car or that's pretty ugly.
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one that always gets me is that one and two at Adelaide. Yes. In, yep. in a similar sort of way. So when you take those curbs, um, you often see uh, some cars land and they're almost flat and then other cars land and there's a big oscillation in the suspension. And and that's the thing I look for to see whether a car's going all right mm. that as they come down and, and land on the deck if there's lots of movement vertically in the suspension when they land, then, then there's work to be done. So you you want them to land very smoothly so that the, the the tire is able to then grip up and get on with its job really.
1: And do you, if you're in a team where perhaps your damper program isn't quite as evolved as say a triple eight, do you watch that in that first practice and see Jamie gliding over these curbs? Do you sit there and go, Oh no, this is going to be a long weekend. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously you do, and, and you know, it's, it's much more often that you look at those sorts of things. Yeah, obviously, we all look at the lap times. No, no bloke, I know races that doesn't. But, um, but ultimately, yeah, that, that you can soon see whether somebody's got their car together. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll, they'll always have the best lap, because often what, what you might do to the car for the chicane might not work as well you know, powering off the hairpin at the bottom of the circuit or that, you know, the last complex is actually quite tricky. Mm. And so to get a good line through the last complex can be quite, you know, that run onto the front straight, so critical for your lap time that uh, it doesn't always bode well that that you'll come out the same, that if it's good over the chicane, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good out the last corner.
1: And how do you cope with the evolution? Because the street circuit's always changing, grip level change, councils will put down new surface or they'll patch potholes or whatever and, and even the curbs have changed over the years so
0: 100 yeah and and you know we uh, add that to that probably the introduction of the the um uh, circuit under the ground to see whether you jump in the curbs or not oh yeah so yep. the shortcut um where you know in the past you probably get away with a the odd shortcut where now you can't get away with anything so yeah there is every year is different and I mean this year particularly uh more than ever because it's been a while since we've been so um you know if I look back I I always still win that they cut off the track off you know (laughs) and we should go back to the old circuit but
1: yeah
0: I'm sure the Gold Coast Council don't want to move the tram so um there might be a bit of an issue but yeah the evolution of any street circuit is always something I mean all racetracks have it Mm. Doesn't matter where you go you will go to a track that's been you know resurfaced and the the grip's fantastic and then over a period of years it disappears so you know you have to keep adjusting to make sure the car will drive properly for that year so yeah there is a lot of work has to go on and I think this weekend uh, for all the categories but you know obviously for V8s for Carrera Cup the guys that spend a bit more time engineering how they roll out the box will be quite interesting this year because it when was the last time there? nine? 19? 19, So, um, yeah, so it'll be quite a fascinating weekend for that.
1: And how much does it differ in a a career cup situation, for example, where everyone's got the same gear where you haven't got teams and supercars, to be fair, are going down that road as well with the control damper, but everyone's got the same stuff. So you can play with exactly the same settings on your shocks that, League I came down at McElroy Racing or the blokes down at Tetwork. So how do you approach that from a Career Cup point of view? And, and is it a different preparation to how you would with a supercar when you're perhaps working with more bespoke stuff that you've got fingerprints on developing throughout the year?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, you look at the, the V8 side of it, firstly, obviously they've got, you know, over what we would have in Carrera Cup springs and dampers, they've got other things as well. They can move the suspension points around a lot more than we can um so yeah there's a lot more scope sometimes that's worse because you can get yourself tied up in knots real quick Mm. uh if you haven't got a grip of it all you know just because they've got more toys to play with doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do a better job but um but ultimately they do have more toys to play with and it means uh there are more ways to adapt to specific things you know often you'll get a driver come back and say it's pretty good everywhere but this corner's awful or um, you know my brakes are terrible, and I'm really struggling on the brakes. It's got great power down, but it's awful brakes. And and there are more ways to adjust that with a V8 supercar um, than we do with with the Carrera Cup car. So uh, with the Cup car, um, you've got to do everything you can to find whatever difference you need to find. And and obviously we can't do springs and dampers. Um, so we do have roll bars, and there's a degree of adjustability there. But then obviously that that affects yeah, you know, something that we have at, not at every racetrack, but we do at the Gold Coast is the change of direction mm. through the chicane and, and turns one and or one, two, three, whatever we call that. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, if you wanted to go too soft on a bar, then the change of direction will be washy and soft. If you stiffen up to give you a good change of direction, then you might struggle with power down. You might struggle with oversteering corners, things like that. So, um, yeah, with Carrera Cup, there's probably more focus on, Adapting what you can to suit the driver and then getting the driver to work with us to how we'll drive it. Um, yep. you know, at the end of the day, we'll just ring Lee up and ask him <laughs> and um, see what he's doing and copy <laughs> him, I guess.
2: I'm
1: sure he'll tell you.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> and and probably aside from the top bit of Mount Panorama, this place has got the least margin for error than any 100%. racetrack. And and the quick way around is you've got to scrape the thing on the walls, don't you? And like the supercar 100%. teams. I mean, they take a mirror off the cars for qualifying, so they don't tear it off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: yeah. So, how do you, how's driver management work with that? Because the margin for error is smaller than at any other place we go, perhaps.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It is. Um, you know, the, the other what we mentioned before, Adelaide, and and obviously Townsville's got a bit of concrete, but nowhere has this much and there's little room for error. And, you know, we have a runoff at the end of the straight, at the bottom and the end of the straight at the top, but there's not much runoff anywhere else. Yeah. So, uh, you know, asked before about the cringy moments, is that, that through the first, second and third corners, how many blokes clip the wall on the left-hand side? Um, it's We'll see it this weekend for sure. Uh, it'll happen probably in every category. Mm. Um, hopefully it's not our cars for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it is, it is something that's... Uh, you've got to have your wits about you and, and add to it with Carrera Cup uh, that this is final round for the championship. So a lot of, I don't know whether there are any other categories this year that are in that boat, but, but for Carrera Cup, it's always the last round. So mm. whenever points are tight, you have to push, um, but ultimately at the same time, then you're raising the risk. So uh, it's a balancing act, isn't it? To, to keep the driver focused on going as hard as he can um, whilst not overstepping the mark. You know, the, the amount of times we see blokes come down to the chase at Bathurst, run off through the grass, no problems, should be right. Maybe you rip the splitter off and you might have to stop and practice to fix it. But but here, um, you've only got to touch the wall a bit and you can be in all sorts of trouble.
1: <laughs> uh, talk about Carrera Cup. Uh, are you happier being the pursuer, rather than being the pursued because you're 70 odd points behind championship yeah. leader young Aaron love who's done an amazing job this year. I mean, he's missed two rounds and to yeah. go into the final round, uh, as a, a shot at the championships, remarkable regardless. But yeah. are, are you happy being the chaser rather than the one being chased?
0: Um, I think oh, I'm an old bloke now, so I don't think we even look at the points to be totally honest, Richard. Mm. uh, um, <laughs> uh yeah, you know, We obviously know where we're at in the championship, but to go to this weekend, he's uh, Aaron's had a great run over the last couple of rounds. Uh, he's really the driver of the moment in that regard. Um, so we want to keep any talk of the championship. It's just, you know, it's, all, it's good for you, blokes. That's what you've got to do in the media. Mm. Um, but for us, I think the last thing we're thinking about is that at the end of the day, we are a long way behind points-wise, Bathurst hurt us with the the two races uh, washed out um, and then the second one stopped. So had the points been different coming into this round and a bit closer, then, yeah, clearly the pressure would be different. But I think ultimately at this point in time, you know, Harry's just got to keep it clean and he's there. So it's really his to lose. It's not ours to win, I guess. Um, you know, we, we, with that much, it's only 60 points a racing in Carrera Cup. So we need 73. So... You know, if we go and win every race, that's still not going to be enough. So uh I think we, you know, you, you go there wanting to, obviously, um, and that's the focus. But uh, at the end of the day, I think our eyes are just on on trying to get each race done. And that's about it, really. I know but, there was... What's going
1: No, no, I was going to say about Aaron. I know the results haven't flowed for him overseas, as perhaps he would have liked them to. But here... Man, he's been electrifying, and everything he's done has been great. Like he's getting the tire switched on in qualifying quickly. He's putting the thing on pole. His cold tire pace has been really impressive early in a race, and he's building that margin. He's passing when he needs to. Not that he's had to do much of it this year. What's have you noticed a step up in his performances from the last? Well, I mean, last year was a shortened season, but even compared to that,
0: yeah. I mean, obviously within the team, you see it a bit differently, but uh, and so. Yeah, I've seen the step up. I think it actually came more sort of towards the end of last year. Sure. Um, But it was a shortened season, double rounds at Bathurst, all that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't really show on a school book sort of thing where you're at. But I I felt like he, uh, coming towards the end of last year, was really on song. And um, we took him to Grand Prix at the start of the year to get some miles before he went to Europe, and he was probably even better again. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, he's a pleasure to work with. He's a good young kid. Mm. Um, he, yeah, he goes great. So it, it's uh, he's easy to work with. In that, I think he's come to the point where, uh, and we've had him with us long enough that the the communication between engineers and drivers, you end up with your own little dialogue, if you like, and buzz terms and you know words that we all use. Um, hand gestures at times old armor used to wave his arms around at me, his hands round at me to tell me what the car was doing. And it took me a little while to understand what it meant, but uh, but I, I got to it. But Aaron's at that point now where uh, it's not difficult to decipher what he wants out of the car. Um, and the other thing, his ability to adapt. Um, so if, for example, we've got it good over the kerbs, the but it's not so good at the, the last quarter, then we, we can talk about the line and adjusting what he does. Uh, and he's quite able um, or, or highly able to adjust his own input. So I think that's where he's at. You know, the the European thing, he's learning new tracks, he's a new team, um, all of that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, to think that you're going to go to Europe and expect to be quick straight off the bat is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we... We go to every racetrack, having looked at last year's, the year before. Watch Vision, um, generally for a lot of tracks we've tested, you know, and if we haven't tested, we, we're able to draw on you know, lots of experience. So, um, where I think in Europe it's hard for for anybody that goes there first up, um, you know, the first time you go around the, the any, you know, Silverstone, anything. You, you don't know where the corners go. You don't know quite how tight they are. You can yeah. look at it forever, but but at the end of the day, it's experience. So, uh, I think uh, to me, I I couldn't be happier with where he's at. He's so easy to work with. He's a good young bloke. He's uh, good sense of humour. We've taught him a bit at Sonic, so um, <laughs> corrupted him maybe. And um, and so uh, there's a really good atmosphere, you know. And, and you look at then Simon Fallon, yeah, running with him. Uh, I think Simon's been able to uh, benefit from sharing a garage with, with Aaron. It's been good. Um, So the last couple of rounds, he's found a bit of pace, which yeah, it's really nice. It's a nice way to go racing. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. He's come on leaps and bounds in the second half of the year, especially for sure. Uh, Last one. And we really appreciate your time. Mike, appreciate it. And, uh, you've engineered some success on the GC over the years, and we were talking before we hit the record button about uh two thousand and nine with Tasman with yep. bargs and a pole position. Uh, but do you have a favourite Gold Coast Street Circuit memory at all? Keep maybe the old. Oh, it, it's plenty of off track, I'm sure.
0: Oh uh, yeah, there's plenty of Yeah, I'm old enough to remember the good old days of the Gold Coast. uh with so it had nothing to do with racing. No. Um, Uh, without question uh, for me personally one of the greatest well my favourite memory of motorsport is Foster's win in 2015 so um, uh, he'd had a similar situation where at the start of that year we'd had uh, I think no points in Adelaide, very few points from the Grand Prix so I think we went to round three at Phillip Island almost two full rounds behind I think it was Richo and and he'd won just about every race so uh, we came away from Sandown with, uh, just just in front of the championship. Bathurst was uh, a nervous weekend, and we, I think we were on a path and that was about it. So going into the Gold Coast, the pressure was massive. Um, and for Nick, you know, I love him to death. He's a good lad. So, um, yeah, to get his championship there, for sure, when I look back at the Gold Coast, that that is without doubt the best day I've ever had there, I think.
1: Yeah, I, and it's the largest comeback in Carrera Cup history by a margin yeah and the only one that would be bigger michael was if aaron goes and does it this weekend so <laughs> yeah. you trump your own record that wasn't a pretty special weekend though to see nick do that uh, great yeah memory. it was good Mate, thanks for your time really appreciate it love your insight Pleasure. into what makes the gold coast tick and look forward to catching up for the big uh, Carrera cup finale and, and maybe a refreshing beverage or two on sunday evening at the uh, at the awards night
0: i'm sure i could find room for one beer Richard I'm sure you can I'm sure you can (laughs) Michael thank you thanks mate Mike
1: Henry joining us here on the grid you're listening to the latest from around the motorsport
0: world
3: on the grid
1: you are listening to the on the grid podcast Uh, Richard Crail with you Tony Shebeki on assignment somewhere we just don't ask questions anymore the answers get stranger and stranger the more they go uh Delighted to say that joining me to preview this weekend's Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500, look back at the Formula One, look back at the NASCAR, uh, the rain out at the Bend and everything else is
2: Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Richard Crowell. I don't know what you're going to do to the Gold Coast weather, but I hope you don't do what you did to your local event there in the weekend, mate. That was uh, not ideal. Unfortunate was the uh, word thrown around.
1: Unfortunate with some form of. Uh, just desperate resolution, I suppose. Resignation. I don't know. Bloody rain! It's awful. Uh Tom Archule is with us as well. Hello, mate. Nice to have you back on the show.
3: Hello, crazy. How crazy, Marco? How are you today?
1: We're good, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm. I'm not going to lie to you both. I'm. I'm having some. I'm having some issues dealing with the rain, and. uh it's tuesday night and it's rained both days since the bend and i'm every time i hear rain on my roof i'm a little bit triggered to be honest with you and if it rains at the gold coast it could break me uh because it's now three consecutive race meetings in a row where a rain has cancelled firstly a porsche race which i'm obviously involved in but b a large chunk of a race meeting that i've been at and Three race meetings in a row where this sucker's been the idiot behind the microphone when it happens, and has to sit there twiddling their thumbs trying to entertain a TV audience, and I
2: I can't do it anymore. It's uh it's broken me. The Porsche Motorsport spare parts department used to have the best Christmas party in the yep. whole wide world, and cancelled this they, year. Cancelled. It's off. They haven't had enough racing to crash cars. Mm. No, it's off. It's off, and
1: it's same for Audi Custom Sport Racing Australia. Off. Triple Eight, the Mercedes AMG dealers off. GTs didn't race. So no twenty-five thousand dollar nose cones written off there. Yeah, it's it's grim times for everybody.
3: <laughs> well, Krause, you can add to your Twitter bio that you are now an expert filler and to add to your F one. <laughs> you're a You're a
2: gap
1: filler.
3: Krause's oh, <laughs> gap, gap filler. Sponsorship well, opportunities here for uh, a certain uh, gap filler company.
1: You're a marketing man, Tommy. Get on this. Uh I feel like sellies need to sponsor not only the show, but me personally, I would wear a Selly's hat with no more gaps on it. I feel like that would be perfect. I I think it just works perfectly. It would be good, right?
3: You do know that uh, one of Doric's sister brands, Cowdery, do uh, fillers for, uh, and, and, um, and seals. So we could do the little seal, the gaps, Krause's style.
1: I have them literally on my front door. So uh, mate, let's, let's talk. We'll, we'll talk off air. Um, Yeah, challenging weekend. Uh, I don't know how much either of you two saw of it at the bend, but it is a little poignant moment for those that have been around long enough to see it because it was technically the end of an era, Mark, in that it was the last round of the artist formerly known as the Shannon's Nationals uh, because next year uh, it becomes a unified series with MA Motorsport Australia and ARG joining forces to co-promote what will be known as the Speed Series. So the Shannon's Nationals, which was formed in 2006, as the CAMS National Motor Racing Championships, became the Shannon's Nationals in 2007. It's the longest running second tier series in Australian motorsport behind Eclipse Super Touring, lasted longer than Pro Car, um, and was a really good stable platform for second tier motor racing behind the Supercar program for a long time. And that was the last round uh, under that that sort of timeline, I suppose, dating back to early 2006 at Wakefield Park Raceway. So a little
2: bit of a moment there for
1: those of us that have been around it for a long time.
2: Hasn't it come a long way, though? I mean, we sort of hung out in it a lot back in the very early days. Like, I did the PR for it back in 2010. And back in those days, you used to everyone roll up with their car trailer behind their ute with their, you know, decent race cars but you'd used to have the f3s and the production cars and the commodore cup and away you'd go uh, for a few race meetings every year being shown on speed week weeks afterwards to four punters on the hill <laughs> these days there's people through the gates there's genuine serious uh tv money being thrown at big time broadcasts uh spectators on the hill proper corporate money involved you look at the paddock now and it's they doubles. it could mm. be a supercar round like the uh, amount of investment that is now involved at in the second tier of australian motorsport is just incredible and it's just grown so much in these last few years despite whatever the pandemic's thrown at it so it's certainly come a long way you know is there room for like a third tier sort of thing it's wow. uh mm. you know how does australian motorsport sort of sort itself out because there's still going to be other race meetings that motorsport australia have mentioned that they're going to put on what shape and form they take we're not quite sure yet but there's probably going to be some space there for some you know standalone production car races and stuff that have been on those uh, events like on the weekend at the bend so it'll be interesting but um yeah so many great moments over the years with the the shannons hey rich
1: yeah there was it it was a really good thing and and being part of its evolution over the years was really cool and seeing it grow and develop. And, uh, there were some messy moments and, and when Motorsport Australia cams as it was took over at the end of 2015, wasn't the great moment because it wasn't done particularly well at the time. But, uh, since then it's, it's sort of regenerated again in a new form and became the Motorsport Australia championships. And, um, it, then the ARG thing came along and there's been a, a growing uh cooperation between the two of them and and it made the most sense in the world for there to not be two separate entities running this show like it needed to be both of them pulling in the same direction with the tv deal with everything going on it makes all the sense in the world where it's going because it was sort of an awkward
2: sort of situation where you had the speed series stuff and they'd have their own package of sponsors mm. involved with that and who well, was Michael, really what you was bloody confusing yeah. Well, was, welcome
1: to difficult. the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships brought to you by Shannon's with the Speed hashtag Series. Speed Series. <laughs> yeah, hashtag Speed Series here on Stan where all the other Motorsport Australia stuff's on 7 Plus. And yeah, you know, it was, it was suboptimal, but that's just the way it had naturally evolved. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it moves forward and a good program next year with seven events, five at... at normal circuits and then the Bathurst six hour and Bathurst international as well. So that will be the program. And then there'll be a a series of other races yet to be announced that motorsport Australia will promote independently um, for the other categories that either don't fit on to uh, all of those rounds or need, need slots basically. So they will, uh, they will pop up as they, as they get closer.
2: Now, another one announced during the week there is that the TCR world tour is going to have a stop within the super cheap auto TCR Australia. Uh, it's, it's a bit vague, wishy-washy of the announcement. I don't think they entirely know what they're doing, uh, where and when, but there's going to be nine rounds next year and a world final somewhere around the world that will basically have, you know, all of the key local championships, but the big teams, you know, they had a, a TCR, the, the World Touring Car, the WTCR, uh, was an independent thing that disbanded, at the start of the week, and by the end of the week, this replacement that is organised by the people behind TCR—they've sort of brought it in-house—and it's going to tour the planet of all the different uh, TCR championships. There's they're over Asia, I think the Middle East, of course, Europe, and here in Australia. And Australia is very strong. The one thing in that whole announcement that uh, was put in the bottom of it is that hybrids coming to Australia—they're going to have a certain amount of testing and tuning and whatnot next year before full implementation of hybrid technology and TCR from 2024 in Australia. So uh, that's interesting.
3: Isn't it?
2: Yeah. What do you think?
3: Well, I just thought that they missed the best. The biggest thing about that announcement was they didn't say anything about doing it at Bathurst. Like I thought they were going to have a grade A Bathurst race and bring back the the two-liter days, but Hmm. to have no TCR event at Bathurst with the world, that, that series is a world series, as you said, Mark, it was some of the best drivers and teams in the world. Surely well, I mean, they would it have could. Tried to have done something to
2: a Bathurst race. I mean, it could still happen. I mean, obviously, I think, not with zero intelligence on the subject, uh, the Bathurst International seems like an obvious candidate for it because, hello, that would tick some boxes. Obviously, it's a bit hard this year for uh, the Bathurst International to get international entries, but uh, looking at the price of freight at the moment and uh, everything else that's going on, hopefully, come 2024, you know, if that is the the world stop and they can get some uh, other international entries, that'll be a spicy, spicy race. I mentioned to you, Rich, the other week, there's five major events at Bathurst. There's no other circuit in Australia that has five major events. That's huge. It's a huge commitment. And it, it takes a lot of officials to run race meetings out there. It's a real grind on those guys who without them, there's no motorsport, but, uh, you know, we're sort of saying to them, Hey, we're having five big race meetings here. And we need you all here for five of them. So it's a funny sort of situation, isn't it? Yeah. Supply and demand though. And
1: as long as demand is there and, and you got to remember there were, I think six initially proposals for that fifth Bathurst event when they put it out to tender. And for those that aren't aware, there the maximum number of race meeting events that can be used at that place is five. So that, that is it. And unlike all the other circuits in Australia, it can't be used for weekday testing and things like that. So from a a revenue generation point of view, to maximise what that can contribute back to the Bathurst economy and to the Bathurst Regional Council who own the circuit, they need it to fill all five weekends. Yeah, it's a big commitment, no doubt. But up to this point, what I've liked about the way the Bathurst thing goes around is that each one has its own personality. So the, the Bathurst 1000 is... The granddaddy of Australian motor racing. The 12 hour is the international show. The six hour is the grassroots enduro where other support categories get a Guernsey that would never get to race in October. And then Challenge Bathurst is you and I could enter a car in it and go and do time attack stuff and regularity competition. So, yeah, the, I think the Bathurst International event where that slots into that little makeup is probably what we're all going to find out and i speak to this from someone who's involved in running it um we're all going to find that out in november 11 12 and 13 in a couple of weeks time because at the moment we don't know and it's an event that has been massively stymied by COVID. because um had it gone ahead in 2020 as planned it would have been unbelievably good and you would have had international competitors in all of the various arg categories Um, so yeah, how that goes in the future, but I mean, it makes, it would, if, if WTCR or the, the world group that WSC that run TCR globally, don't go to Bathurst, they're mad. And, um, I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to work out that there's probably going to be a Macau involvement there with the Gaia street race as well, which is always in late November, so not far away from it here. I'd just put one and one together and get three perhaps, but it it makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? So yeah, we'll find out. Hopefully it will be nice. Uh, So yeah, good times in Shannon's nationals. Uh, Good times this weekend, boys, because we're going back to the gold coast. It's exciting,
2: isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the FOMO over here. Thanks Richard. (laughs) Let's let's talk up how great the weekend's going to be. I love that track, you know, going and taking photos around the place. That circuit, you can feel the cars. Like you can literally feel the wind off the cars as they go past. It is so rad. It's such a cool feeling. And I will often just go and stand down there at the first chicane and just watch the cars. It's just such a rad bit of track because they're doing stuff that they're not supposed to be doing. And the, the fast line around there is you got to hit the fence. And you know, if you, I said this last year. If you, the last time we talked about it was probably 2019, I guess. You know, you, you hit the fence too hard you're going slow you don't hit the fence at all and you're going slow it's a it's an incredible bit of racetrack you know i'm sure team owners hate it but uh as a punter watching on i absolutely cannot get enough of it and it's going to be a bit of a twist this weekend without the co-drivers we've had co-drivers there since crikey what 2010 yeah 2010 so it's been a been a long run there with the co-drivers and the gold case 600 format so uh all changed this weekend to 250k races, the sort of super street formula. Tom, what's the form got? Obviously, Van Giz has won there a few times in recent years, dating back to 2014 when he was at Techno. And subsequently, since he's joined up with Red Bull, uh, You know, he's clearly won everything else this year. Is he going to get beaten this weekend?
3: No. good chat thank
1: you great right (laughs) thanks for joining us on the grid this week
3: (laughs) well i think this weekend is going to be very interesting because i uh, it's the first um obviously single driver race there in a long time and the gold coast is unique in the way that it's set up but also you've got to be good over the curbs there and another place that you need to be good over the curbs is probably Sandown and and places like woodcoe you know that different style of tracks but you there's a lot of curb action so looking at those races cjr and will Davison had some good success success in those at those races and and shane also so look like those two could be the the two to the beat um interesting i had a, a function with with will talked about um gold coast and i said to him how long before the mirrors fall off and he said well in qualifying we take one mirror off so hmm. that's not great if you sponsor a mirror um on a race car but oh,
1: um <laughs> could i do you get think, a discount
3: for this ram is yeah. there a discount
1: on the invoice <laughs> it's like a cashback
3: yeah. program <laughs> I did say just take the photos in the garage before they get on the track because they won't last more than a lap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great weekend to see the cars back on the Gold Coast. remember the last time we were there, obviously Scotty Max sent a, a shock absorber through somebody's apartment window. So um, let's hope we don't have anything like that again. Um, but I definitely think we're going to have um, some interesting action on track because obviously it's hard to pass with these generation of cars. So qualifying is going to be uh, extremely important on a track where you've got to get the bumpers out.
1: So, the last time there were single driver races there was 2009. Garth Tander won one, Mark
2: Winterbottom won the other. But since then. No, no, no. It was four races that Winterbottom won two uh, because they had two. It was a weird point structure, but they had four races for the weekend because that was the one that the uh, A1 GPs uh, blew up. Yeah, they were supposed to be there. That was supposed to be there. That to be there yeah. And then supercars yeah. stepped up. So, the. In the races.
1: But since then, it's been quite uh, quite varied in terms of results. And last five races, four different teams have won. So, Triple Eight dominated last time out. Jamie and Craig won race one. SVG and Garth won race two, as they were prone to do, and still are prone to do, as it turns out, in this era. Um, Chazzy Mostert and James Moffat won in 18. Remember, the Sunday race was... Uh, A no-go due to frankly ridiculous rain. Memories. It was so so ahead (laughs) of the game.
2: So ahead of the game. Yeah, there was a long way ahead ahead Four years ago,
1: yeah. Uh, And then in 17, it was uh, Mostert Owen in race one and Scotty McLaughlin and Alex Primer in race two before that triple eight won both races in 16. But yeah, hard to get a form guide because we haven't done a whole lot of street racing in supercar land since 2000 and early 2020. At the adelaide 500 so working out how this all plays townsville. out yeah but townsville it's not really a guide is it
2: oh, well, like there's a few, one, didn't
1: he? few little well, yeah but that's the only consistency there's a few curbs <laughs> around the back there at seven and eight but compared to the gold coast townsville is like phillip island it's billiard table smooth and there are many less things to crash into at that joint so Yeah, it's going to be interesting but it's one of the events that i've missed the most through this whole period and and that's even including the adelaide 500 because really we haven't lost a 500 yet Uh, we haven't had a 500 cancelled because it was never going to happen we got one in 2020 was never going to happen last year regardless of whether the government boned it or not so we haven't actually lost one of those yet and we get one in five weeks time but this event was on the calendar in last year for a little while, ambitiously, and probably never, ever going to happen. But uh, it's such a great landmark event on the calendar. It's just it's so good. the only
2: way to back up from Bathurst, isn't it? If mm-hmm. they went to Winton, everyone would quit the circus, wouldn't you? Yeah, because you, yeah, you need the sunshine. You need to have a beach next to the track where you can go and have yep. a swim in the morning. And you need to have a place that serves a lot of beer. Yes. You need to have a beer on the surface paradise. It's it's just what happens. Totally. Adult schoolies. Schoolies, yes. Wade on your school
1: schoolies for grown ups, he used to call it, uh, in V8 Ute Racing Commentary. No, I agree with you. Uh right, who do we think? What do we reckon? And don't say Shane Van Gisbergen.
2: Jeez, is there anyone else in the race?
1: What he mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean he wraps up the title in race one, doesn't he? I mean that's foregone okay. conclusion.
3: To get twenty points, right? So he just doesn't have to crash. So yeah, the mm. title's easy over and done with. I think I think uh, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Will Davison for Saturday and SVG for Sunday. Okay. And Cam and Cam Waters on pole twice.
1: So Cam has said in the media this week that they've got a chip on their shoulder after coming so close at Bathurst again. Does that mean we get good Tickford or do we get different Tickford?
3: I think Cam's been pretty good most of the places we've been since you know, you basically said they were rubbish for the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. I think Cam hasn't been the problem for Tickford. No, and the others really haven't, haven't got the consistency um, to keep up with Cam and James sometimes. But I think Cam's fine. You know, I think it's going to be between those three. Um, hopefully, this weekend's a, a step in the right direction but for Anton. I think he's got to put a market down, um, hasn't performed as well as Will Davison for a while. So, I think it's his opportunity this weekend to really get on top of it and, and give it a, a good crack at it because he needs to, because Will's probably been better than him in the last couple of rounds.
1: Actually, that's a good point, Mark. The, the Anton needs a result, doesn't he? Because it's been a pretty challenging trot for him.
2: It was a bit of a nothing bathes for old mm. Dick Johnson racing, wasn't it? You know, Willie showed a lot of form in practice in the dry, but uh, everything sort of fell apart on Sunday. Hey, we need a dark horse bet. I'd probably go Reynolds. He won his first career win there. Sorry, my voice just broke. Uh, in 2012, uh, he was on the podium there in the last race. We 20 had. years too late. Yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> well it's done. Too tight. But uh, yeah, he was on the podium there in the very last race that we had there in 2019. So uh, some form on the board. Uh, that car is has been resurrected after uh, Maddie Campbell copped the worst of Zane Goddard's bonnet. Mm. And um, yeah, that'll be... Who knows? It's, it's such a, a wild setup. They haven't run on this... Suspension package there, so it's something that's a bit different. No one's really got form on the board. You can sort of piece together the best street circuit car you think you've got, but uh, we won't really know. And there's bugger all practice too. I think there's two half hour sessions, which really doesn't give them a lot of time to throw a lot of different combinations at it. Yeah, just on that. Yeah, th- this program's a bit ordinary. Yep, and, and it's and missing a category, and it's
1: missing a category, and and it's not bad Saturday Sunday, but it's missing a category. Um, Friday is not, not a good yep, day and, not good. and don't spend your money to go on Friday because
2: there's not a lot of track action. Uh, it just, um, it needs the jumpy trucks back. Yep. Bring yep. them back, pay your tax on whatever the problem is that doesn't have them here at the moment. Let's get, get the jumpy trucks back. They were always yeah, so it, sweet it, around It
1: there. needs that joker category, doesn't it? Whether it's a, yeah, jumpy trucks, ironic, ideally Aussie racing cars, you know, something Amusing, something that's going to cause some chaos racing, I, and I don't, I don't think super Utes are the answer to that, because no. um, it's all pretty, pretty serious now. Though they have got Royal Harris back, so the excitement potential it's does truth. go up when he's in the field. S five thousands, that's going to be a bit of fun in games. Yeah, big open wheelers back on the Gold Coast streets for the first time since two thousand and eight. That'll be good fun. Be interesting. They'll sound good there. oh the noise uh, echoing off those skyscrapers. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. Um what will be good many, will be how many cars crazy? Oh, about 10. Is that yeah. good? No, no, well, no, obviously we'd rather there be more than that. Uh there's there's 12 to 14 for Adelaide 500, but Gold Coast has been a hard sell, but uh yeah, look, I think they'll put on a good show, and they've got it's the talent side of things is no problem. There's some good steers in it. A couple of new guys coming in, which is good. Noah Sands, who won Australian F3 this year, will be running. Nathan Hearn's back. Joey Mawson back. So there's some there's some good front runners in it. Cooper Webster, who's been pretty spectacular in these cars this year, and got a win up at Hidden Valley earlier in the season. So yeah, oh, look, the the product will be fine, and you can get away with a smaller field with those cars. What will be good is the Porsche Carrera Cup. Finale. So Harry Jones goes in leading the championship by seventy four points over Aaron Love, remarkably, who has missed two rounds and at one point was three hundred and thirty points behind in the championship. Uh, If he completes the comeback somehow and wins it, it will be the biggest comeback certainly in one make Porsche racing history, but potentially. I went through the record books. I've struggled to find someone coming from further back in any major national championship in the last 20 years. So it's, uh, yeah, it could be a fairly large weekend at a circuit where drama is uh, easy to come across. Uh,
2: the one bit of the coverage that I did catch from Shannon's The Bend on the weekend was the announcement of McElroy's first driver for the US mm. program between seven plus buffering. Mm. Uh, that's some pretty cool news. Having a bit of a Aussie influence over there.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and that was, I was going to make that my hot in the power rankings oh, in, in a minute's time, but let's expand on that now because no, it is, it is great. Uh, young Tom Sargent, Australian Formula Four champion last year. He's now got a handy lead in the sprint challenge. Ripper young bloke, really impressive guy, friendly, smiley, deals with the media very well. He's a good interview, but it was his Bathurst six hour drive for mine this year. That was the highlight where they qualified on pole he did the job in qualifying. Then they got excluded for a turbo boost issue, started 63rd stone Mother was last. And by the time he handed the car over to Cam Hill, uh, he was leading. It was remarkable stuff. Really, really cool drive. No, he's a good kid. Really impressive. That's going to be an exciting little adventure that we heard from Eddie McElroy on the show last week, but to get Tom Sargent, that's a good get to go over there and take on the in Crew Cup, North America.
2: Uh, can I segue to other things, North American? Please. Formula, Formula One and the Circuit of the Americas. Decent race. Good race.
3: New rules Decent are okay, race. aren't they?
1: Yeah, look, it's they, yeah, they worked at that track. Absolutely. The cars were better to race. Um, feel for Alonso. What, a, right? The, th- the bike ends up pointing skyward and then blazes his way back through the field and then gets excluded because his mirror fell off when the car passed post-race technical inspection didn't get a mechanical black flag during the race, but post-event, the stewards have gone, no, 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 we don't like that because someone protested it.
2: Yeah. I'm not
1: too sure about that. I think that's,
2: it's a bit silly. He, he was so lucky if he caught the opening Ooh, of that yeah. fence, mm, like that was jobs off crash. there. That would have mm. been humongous, but uh, got away with the fact that the car could still drive after being airborne and in the yes, fence. That was pretty huge. Alpine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we feel sorry for Lewis that he hasn't yet won a race this season and he's come close? I'm, I'm not quite no. sure if I'm there yet, but it, it would have He shouldn't nice should have been in it. a chance anyway if they hadn't no. botched the pit stop. No, you're right. Uh, and not. Ferrari qualify on pole, Tom, and uh, find another new and exciting way to <laughs> lose a Formula
3: One race. Who hasn't George Russell hit this year? Honestly, he's hit like six different people in good winning positions. Like, I actually... Thought his race car was quite good, but he's taken multiple people out this year. Mm. And Florent Carlos, he's he's done a what well, he's done a grand distance of what seven corners in in two Grand Prix because he lost at Suzuka after the in the rain and then yes. got to the first corner and got taken out here. Uh, so and is the second time this season that he's
1: had that happen in two consecutive races yeah. where he's been out early in the race, like yeah. lap one or two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But but that was sort of awkward. Like he sort of propped a bit. It it was a bit hard on George because I, I get the feeling if Carlos didn't prop and sort of plowed on and ran a bit wide sort of thing. He probably wouldn't have been smashed, but that happens
3: in motorsport. Surely, uh, poor Danny. I don't know how Danny Rick can uh, get through the next couple of races after oh. that. Coming last, like, behind Latifi. Like, I know he's go-tifi, go but the poor bloke must be absolutely soul-destroyed that he can't even beat Latifi now. Like, I like, I'm, like, I just, yeah, he must. That It's that wasting petrol. <laughs>
2: He's genuinely wasting decent petrol. They, they pitted him late with that last round of stops and they put hards on him. Mm. They go, why, why would you even bother? You? Now you're wasting quality hard tires. <laughs> it just makes Most no sense.
3: Must not even qualify and just have all tires for the race. So they actually don't put hards on because all they do is put hards on that car and he hates it. But mm. they just do it every single stop, regardless.
2: Like there, yeah. there were moments during the weekend where he was competent. Like, yeah, oh, hang on, he's back. But uh, at the end of the day, it was better being on Horsey McHorse for the race. <laughs>
1: yeah, poor uh, he's still but, the king of PR though, isn't he?
2: What what do we think about him being the reserve driver at Red Bull?
1: Well, yeah, the left field didn't, it wasn't the first team I would have thought of, but, oh, look great. And clearly, clearly in this time of resource restrictions and budget caps and things like that, Red Bull seemed to be quite good at dodging around those. Um the more experience you've got in the simulator and at tests and looking at data and things like that, the better. So to get a bloke who's done that many races and, and one Grand Prix and you, you don't forget how to drive a racing car. So whatever it is, that's afflicted him at McLaren, uh, all the reasons that have been discussed, I'm sure he's still absolutely switched on and yeah, look, I mean, Checo's only got a one year deal. I mean, there's a thousand and one Red Bull drivers in the pipeline to come in after him, but Who knows there could be an opportunity for him to slide in and and win another Grand Prix, but it comes down to the old argument. Do you want to be, do you want to be a reserve driver with a really good team, or do you want to be a race driver with a team that's never going to win a race? Yeah. Tough question, isn't it? It's like, it's the Lee Holdsworth conundrum. Do you want to be a Bathurst co-driver only and win the great race? Or do you want to be a full-time driver and not? So yeah, swings and roundabouts.
3: I think it's a great move, to be honest. I think you know he's get more. It's a fifty-fifty shot that he'd be driving in twenty twenty-four um, in that car. So yeah, okay, it's going back to where he used to be, and you know, back to Max's teammate again. But like, surely at that stage of career, you you could take driving for Red Bull, which is potentially going to be the fastest car, than driving what he's been driving now and and just struggling. So obviously that he he clearly would want to come back and then make sure that his legacy is not the last two years at McLaren.
1: And and for that team. Um, time- for that team to have the knowledge that you've got a backup like him in case Max has an issue, whatever it might be—Covid, a crash, who knows—then that's good, pretty good security,
2: isn't it? So, uh, Tom, question for you: You do a, a lot of events and corporate hospitality and catering. W- what would 1.8 million dollars get you? Would it be dinner rolls? Like, how would you overspend your <laughs> catering budget by 1.8 mil? <laughs>
3: You get a lot of caviar, that's for sure. That's oh, um, a lot of, um, you know, single. That's do- a lot of double drops of the steak and chicken. So you know, you definitely have double um... drop of the
2: steak. And- <laughs> we're not, we're not alternating. <laughs> we're giving you the full menu.
3: No alternate <laughs> drops. You get both. So congratulations <laughs> to all the Red Bull hospitality people. You just don't get one. You get both. So that's where they split <laughs> their 1.8 mil, and they probably had to buy some some other energy drink <laughs> as well to blow over the bill. But it's very strange how you could do that. But hey, they can uh, find a loophole, Red Bull.
1: Well, it's a good test for these regs and how they punish. And and if it does come out that that's where the breach was, and it was in catering, and they punish them in a sporting sense by docking points or whatever it might be, then that's I don't know how that looks. How
2: honestly. is catering? You know, because it's not going to be a
1: line item that should be. It's not going to enhance your budget for making the cargo faster, is it? Well,
2: it's
3: yeah, the old know. Melbourne, the old Melbourne Storm debate where they had you know the same thing where they exceeded their salary cap and had. Things two sets things. of books. Mark, the books their accounting things.
1: system was side by side Do you remember
2: a little high
1: five in high five. joke there folks we'll uh, we'll just roll on with that, <laughs> <laughs> that was good times yeah good times, good times. Very, uh,
2: uh nascar yes very quickly uh come to a point they raced at where were they on the weekend homestead um, miami so. homestead miami, miami larson like... smashed them uh, Martinsville is the last of the races before Phoenix. Chastain's in by 19. Elliott in by 11. Chastain's actually going really well lately. He mm. was second at Homestead. Uh, Byron's in. Hamlin's out by five. Blaney's out by 18. Bell's out by 33 and Briscoe's out by 44. So plenty to play for. Martinsville raced absolute garbage last time. So qualifying is <laughs> going to be quite important there. The uh, new car doesn't race very well, on those short tracks, but uh, it's a sort of place here. Yeah, if you want to
3: put Ross Chastain in the fence, you could very easily do it. Marco, how would you compare Ross Chastain and Trucker to somebody in supercars? Who would they be? Huh? That's a good question. Because they are like a team that has come from the cloud, but it's almost like team team, it, it's win.
2: like if Tom goes and buys Team Eighteen, it's like a team like a, a Chip Ganassi Racing that's got potential. But you're sort of going in there with they've got the full factory Chevy backing, so they've had a lot of access to the niceties of life that Chevy brings to the party, um, and but they've made the most of it. So mm. yeah, it's I was going to say it's like. Premiere, but uh, but that, trackhouse that
1: premiere, yeah. But track <laughs> trackhouse bought a good race team, so yeah, oh yeah. That's uh, that's harsh. But <laughs> let's be honest, Techno didn't, Team Sydney didn't do much in there last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question, Tommy. I like it. I like it a lot. It uh, and for you, beautiful. last last one, MotoGP World Championship goes down to the wire at Valencia in a week's time of from now ish. Um Peko got a win up in Malaysia Good, Another good Grand Prix, wasn't it? But uh, not quite enough to seal the deal
3: Yeah um, MotoGP continues to deliver outstanding races The best motorsport series On the planet right now Peko Bagnaia uh, just held off A Bastianini to go, go to the Italians That's why you got me to pronunciate that, didn't you? I did, yeah, um, totally And uh, goes down to the last race where Peko just has to finish Because uh, he's 23 points ahead Of uh, Fabio Quartararo on the Yamaha uh, great season. Come from 91 points behind mm, and nowhere to uh, to be championship favorite and look like D- delivering Ducati's first title since 2017, Casey Stoner. So great uh, weekend in, in Sepang. Got the racing without having, uh, you know, a monsoon or flood. So that's a, that's a, that's a tick in the box for Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia. I love Sepang. It's a fantastic racetrack. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, right. Thanks to
1: our friends at Doric. It's time for the weekly power rankings, our hot and not of the week. That was
2: Mark Walker. You kick things off. Uh, Going with comebacks. Uh, A couple of big comebacks caught my eye this week. Uh, In the press, it's been noted that Calder Park will be coming back. I sort of mentioned this a Mm. little while ago when I ventured out there, that it doesn't look that far off being tart upable to uh, bring back up to standards. And uh, apparently, uh, Kim and Rodney Jane are gonna pump some coin into bring the circuit racing back, uh, and you know, fix up the drag track and all the things over on that side. The Thunderdome's a bit of a basket case, they're not gonna be able to do much with that. But they actually had a, a track day at uh, on the Thunderdome just the other weekend, uh, the weekend after Bathurst. And mm, a whole bunch that, of old Oscars cars running around. Yeah, it looked great. Mm, like they were great wasn't spraying it? it too. It was huge. Mm. Uh, so that'd be cool. Um, can't wait to see Call the Park back on the agenda because it's Something that Victorian Motorsport sort of needs is uh, some more facilities. And, you know, there's always pie in the sky stuff about Avalon going around. You know, believe that when I see it. But uh, Calder Park's already approved. It's already there in, in a base form. And they just need to uh, put some polish and do the weeds around the edges. And another one that I noticed is that in the US of A, Speed Vision is coming back. Yes. Ooh. I uh, I was a big fan of the Speed Channel yeah. in Australia concept. I uh, noticed that Rick Hendricks behind it, a few of the original people who mm. uh, started up the Speed Vision concept. It was, and it's a free service over there uh, on whatever platform they're going out on. But 24 um, hour day motorsport, I'm a, a huge fan of that as a concept. Uh, so that was your hot, wasn't it? Yes. Yes,
1: Yes. that's definitely hot. Tom, that's a hot. Yes. Yes, good, good.
3: My hot is this weekend, Supercars back on the Gold Coast because it is the glamour event on our calendar. It is the event that has been missing from the Supercars calendar because you get the shots of the beach and it's a unique track for Supercars. And I know we've seen a category. We should have an international category, maybe IndyCar or something else come with that that track soon. But this weekend, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, one, the crowd to the on track action and three, hopefully no rain to deliver what supercars is missing. And one of the greatest things about supercars is seeing them on two wheels and action and and movement over the track and seeing real bull ring style atmosphere. something we haven't seen since 2019.
1: It reminds me I'm going to go and bribe a photographer to take some photos for us because uh, Mark's not going. So I don't know who's going to capture all the excellence for us. We'll get onto that. Um, my hot, uh, I was going to say it was Tom Sargent because I'm very, very pleased that he's got this gig with McElroy to go to the States. It's very cool. However, yeah, sorry. no, 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 that's fine. I had a reserve hot and my reserve hot is Triple Eight Race Engineering. Cue the social media hate. Oh my God, they're biased towards Triple Eight. Uh, there are many reasons for good racing teams to be good racing teams. Uh, car performance is one of them. Smart engineering is one of them. Uh, being adept commercially is another one, but Triple Eight on the weekend did a little one percenter that proved that they're a very good racing team because in Saturday's GT World Challenge race at the Bend, they were running two cars for the first time this season. They were running an identical livery. And uh, excuses can roll forward, but and there are many, but uh, those cars look very, very similar. And when one of them's 88 and one of them's Triple Eight, when you're looking at them from a quite wide shot at a circuit where the camera's a long way away, pretty bloody hard to spot as it turns out. And when you don't see them switch them to then attack the race lead, uh, and you call the wrong car going through, it's quite irritating. I'm here to tell you, but not only were triple eight, incredibly gracious in, uh, accepting an apology for ballsing up that call and young Brock Feeney quoted, I don't care, mate. I was in the car, uh, good egg the great yeah, uh, super bloke the uh the great jess dane and andrew edwards and the team there uh worked very quickly to fluorize the mirrors on the 88 car to make sure that there was a point of difference between them for sunday's race now sunday's race unfortunately didn't happen but it's little one percent percenters like that that when it comes down to recognizing your car and recognizing the team on the racetrack on tv is very very important to do Full credit to Triple Eight for nailing that and doing it with uh, a whole degree of grace and humility and doing their best to make our life easier. So it's another reason why they are a very, very good racing car team. That's my hot.
2: Knots, Mark. Uh, The standing knot is now for Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. I mean, that was just a waste of resources. Uh, But my real knot is the weather. And obviously, you, you had your stuff going on there at the bend, uh, for South Australian tourism, well done. Mm. Uh, but the rest of Australia also had a big red hot Aussie go at it. Uh, the uh, Australian Hill Climb Championship was up at Mount Cotton, and this is something that was planned for 2020 and clearly didn't happen then, and it didn't happen in 2021. They finally got it on in 2022. Got everyone from around Australia had some dry running on Saturday and Sunday was completely washed out. So I am gutted for those guys. Cause uh, so much effort over years now to finally get that event to happen. And it got washed out. So gutted for the MG car club of Queensland up there and, and all the competitors and everyone who put an effort into that. Uh, the Avalon sprint cars got washed out. There was a preemptive strike there. I was, I'm glad they did because it would have been underwater and uh, lakeside literally flooded like it was underwater. So uh Yeah, the rubbish weather in South Australia was in every other bloody state of Australia too. So tough times. Tough Mm. times and fingers crossed it doesn't go completely biblical this weekend on the Gold Coast. Even though the forecast says sunny and dry, uh, I have a feeling they might absolutely bottle that.
3: Tom, (laughs) knots, please. My knot are race stewards. Oh, oh, I feel some controversy. Why do people get penalties for being certain car lengths behind under safety car. How does this happen if you're Pierre Gasly and you're 12 and you get a penalty for being 51 meters instead of 50 minutes behind somebody under safety car when literally, they're screenshots of people, every single other person doing it, only one person got penalized. Why is that even a rule? Why does it matter? These form like one car they need to accelerate and brake because that's what they're doing, generating tire temperature. Why does that even matter under safety car? It makes zero, zero sense. You're literally penalizing people like for absolutely nothing. Second point mirrors on Alonzo's car. Seriously, why are we penalizing that for as well? Like, what just creating penalties? You can turf somebody off the track but they're going to disqualify you because your mirror's fallen off or you're 51.1 metres behind somebody on the safety car. Silly. Get better. Boom. Uh,
1: the thing with Alonso, clearly Haas are just so aggrieved that they've been black flagged a couple of times this year or black, bad sportsmanship flagged for Magnussen having the front wing damage. They're just so aggrieved that that's happened to them that they've seen this happen to Alonso and decided to protest him. The thing that irritates me is how harmonious is the FIA when their own stewards have made this penalty, right? After this protest, or so a protest was lodged, and you're allowed to do that. But their own stewards have lodged this penalty and basically overridden the race director and the race stewards during the race because they didn't meatball flag him and said, no, you have to pit, it's dangerous. He doesn't have a mirror. So, yeah, what's They're canceling each other out. That's what irritates me about it. I agree with you. Is
2: there something to be said about the Australian safety car restart thing when the safety car accelerates away that you stop weaving and you get in line and you yeah, I like line it. up nice and neatly? I the like other it. thing that's sort of been getting my goat lately about restarts is that I like NASCAR where there's a restart zone. Lately, over the last six months, there's been some really late restarts and I hate that because it's sort of a ploy to try and stuff the field up and half the time it does stuff the field up and you wind up having a big shunt and... Having another safety car. I I don't mind having a nice, safe restart if it all sort of starts at a a single point given on the track, like they do in NASCAR. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm. Bridge on Conrad, for example, after the chase.
2: Anywhere, whatever, just mark it out. The the action zone that they used to have back in the day. The action
3: zone. The the AZ, the acceleration zone. Bring back the action zone. How good is (laughs) that? Good Double times. Bring it back as well. Go on. Good times. 60 lappers. 60. Sorry, 60. 60 um, K races.
1: No, like they, they can stay constrained to history. I think, but uh, the action zone can definitely come back. Uh, Why well, not is bloody rain. I'm sick of. I'm sick of races getting cancelled, and for the Porsche teams especially, who um, it's now three different races in three different states for two different series have been cancelled due to rain. And uh, these teams spend an enormous amount of money gallivanting around Australia, going car racing. There's careers on the line. There's championship points on the line. It's so frustrating. There's nothing they can do about it. Um, It's completely out of their hands. But the bad luck is just amazing. And uh, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. If you're trying to build a championship and you get no opportunity to either gain points or entrench your lead or whatever it might be, or to regain points you might have lost earlier in the championship. So um, the weekend, Ryan Wood had a DNF with a, an, a mechanical problem on his car in race two and had no opportunity to recover from that from the back of the top 10 on Saturday, where he could have minimized the damage done to his points from Tom Sargent. So really frustrating. And it's 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 all wonderful padding time and joking about that. But there's, there's big implications on the line of it. And yeah, I'm pretty fed up with it.
2: Uh, right, that wraps up the show. Thanks, boys. I'm assuming Shebex will be back next week. Well, we hope so. Uh, and yeah. look, Richard, just behave yourself this weekend. I know you're going to the Gold Coast, Adult Schoolies. You're yeah, gonna behave I'm yourself. Going Porsche
1: going to be my tonsils on Sunday night. I'll give you the hot tip. Por- many Porsche. cold, refreshing beverages.
2: Yeah. Porsche end of season party.
1: Uh, yes. Yep, Sunday night. Ooh, look out. Frock up for that one. It's gonna be good. Truth. Uh thank you, Tom.
3: Thank you, Richard. I uh, look forward to watching the races from Hawaii this weekend.
1: Oh, oh no, I'm happy going to the Gold Coast. I'm not lie to you. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. This has been On The Grid. Don't forget to subscribe by your favourite podcast platform if you do already. And we will see you in one week's time to wrap up the GC500 action. Bye for now.